Well, today we begin a new series called Equipped, Equipped by the Spirit, and it is looking at the epistle of Galatians. Sounds like I went to Bible school, doesn't it? In the New Testament. <laughs> you can find Galatians, if you have your Bible, you can find it um, in the New Testament. You start with those first four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, remember, and then there's Acts and Romans and First and Second Corinthians and then Galatians. Okay, and there's four epistles there that, uh, or letters is what they are, you know, the epistle's just kind of that theology name, but they're letters that Paul wrote that actually contain the word of the Lord for those people and also for us. And uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, and if you take the first letter of those, it's G-E-P-C, and someone told me when I was uh, younger, that you can always remember the order they come in with General Electric Power Company. So if you're wondering where that is, um, <laughs> Galatians is the first one. And uh, so we're in chapter 1 today, so I'm going to encourage you to turn there in your Bibles. Now if you don't have your Bibles, you notice there's Bibles in all the rows. Grab one of those because we're going to kind of bounce around in chapter 1. I'm not going to just read all the way through. I'm going to go kind of back and forth here. So grab one. Uh, if you need it and need to keep it, you can. We can get more. Uh, there's a couple more in back, too. If you didn't get one and you need one, just raise your hand and someone will get one for you. You all good? Okay, great. Wonderful. So Galatians chapter 1. And then I'm, uh, while you're doing that, I'm going to show you something here. So what is this? It's a knife, right. What's it used for? Cutting or buttering for, for our food, right? Okay, here's another use for it. It says, where I come from, this is also known as a flathead screwdriver. Ever used a knife for a screwdriver? <laughs> In a tough situation? Yeah, what happens to the end of it? It, it gets damaged, right? Yeah. We, we probably don't want to regularly do that. Um, if you've ever used a knife for a screwdriver because it's, handy in the kitchen or you can't find a screwdriver, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, how many of us have also used other things uh, instead of what we really need? For example, um, ladies, how many times have you used a pair of heeled shoes to pound a nail? Yeah. Okay, well, I have anyway. Um, <laughs> how about using your keys, opening a package that came by UPS, right? Yeah. Okay, now that's really not what you're supposed to use, guys, right? We're supposed to use hammers and scissors to cut the tape and real flathead screwdrivers. But anyway, I think that uh, a lot of times we just can't find what we need, and I think that's maybe why there's a Swiss Army knife, right? Because that's everything you need all in one thing. <laughs> just keep that in your pocket. Or is that one of those really big ones? They make some really big ones, you know, Swiss Army knives. Okay. All right. Well, just like there's a purpose for our knife that we showed, um, there's a purpose for us as well. There's a calling that each of us has in our life, and this calling is from God. The Apostle Paul talks about the purpose that God gave him in this first chapter of Galatians. And so let's read this, the first five verses here. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father 
and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we're going to stop there for now and uh, just talk a little bit about this because what we want to know is who's he writing to? The Galatians, uh, if you're like me, you think, who are these people? Um, I don't think there's any Galatians in the world still today, but there were back then. And so why we want to know, too, why is Paul writing this letter? So we're going to look at a map here. And Galatia is that region in red. And you can see where that is. It's in what's modern Turkey today. Okay? So that's Galatia. And in the 3rd century BC, that area was invaded by Gallic Celts. So people came from all the way over there and came down here and invaded them. And it gave it the name Galatia because Galatia means land of the Gauls. So that's, I guess they gave it their name when they took it over. So anyway, that's the 3rd century BC. Then after we can move ahead here to the time that Paul is writing this letter, it was about 49 AD. And uh, Paul and Barnabas had passed through that area on their first missionary journey. And they established several churches there. In fact, it talks about that in Acts. Acts 18.23 says, After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So in the New Testament, Galatian believers are often grouped together with other neighboring provinces like it was right here. Scholars believe that um, this book was probably written in the first century, like I said, about 49 A.D., and then Timothy, who was later, when you read through the book of Acts and you find all the people that uh, Paul traveled with, Timothy is on that list. And he was his missionary partner. He also was kind of a mentee of Paul. Paul was really pouring his life into, into Timothy to train him. And Timothy was actually from the area of Derby and Lystra in Galatia. So he's, he's from Galatia originally. The Galatian church here that Paul is writing to is a mixture of people. They're both Jewish and Gentile converts. And Paul wrote to them, we'll see here as we read through it, he wrote to them to clarify what he'd initially taught them because somehow um, some things had happened where they were getting a little off track. And the, thing, the main thing that Paul is writing in this letter, as we'll see as we go through the whole book of Galatians, is that salvation was by faith alone through the grace of God for anyone who believed. And Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 talk about that. He wrote another letter to the people in Ephesus, and he said, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. In other words, we didn't have to earn it. We didn't have to work for it. We didn't have to do anything except accept it. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. So in chapter 1 of Galatians, Paul opens the letter, and he gives them the standard greeting, Grace and peace to you. And he tells them about himself that he is an apostle in this first chapter and that he received a calling from God. So as we look through this first chapter, this is what we're going to be looking at. You know, How can we learn about God calling us to a purpose for our lives? And how can we, how can we find out about our calling? The first thing is listen to God's leading. Paul says in those first few verses that we just read that he got that call from God. He said, I didn't get it from a bunch of people. I didn't get it from a man. I got it from God, from Jesus Christ and God the Father. And uh, if 
what we're talking about here is if you haven't looked at this before or if you want a little refresher, Acts 9, verses 3 to 9 says, As he, which is Paul, neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So this is when Paul receives his call. So how did Paul know what his call was, do you think? He heard what God said. Yeah, he listened to God. Uh, after his encounter, too, he spent three days fasting and praying. And God must have spoken to him then. And God also, during that time, spoke to another person who was a follower of Jesus called Ananias. And so let's read about that. Acts 9, continuing on in verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. <clears throat> Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done for your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. He's not exactly excited about this job, is he? <laughs> so the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Ananias is asked by God in this vision to go minister to Paul and to further clarify for Paul what the call is on his life. And Paul, up to this point, has been this religious zealot. He's a Levite. He's had all this training. He's a, a, you know, quite a well-known guy in Jewish circles. Um, but he's doing a lot of stuff in his own power. He's taking believers to be prosecuted for following Jesus. And as Ananias said, some of them even get killed. So Ananias goes in spite of this. You know, the call of God told him to go. So he's obedient. He goes, and I'm sure he's praying all the way there, and he gets there and he prays for Paul. And Paul is healed from the blindness and received what God had for him and was baptized in the Holy Spirit. God will use situations and people to speak into our lives too. But the Holy Spirit in us should always confirm what people tell us. You know, if someone says, I have a word for you, the Holy Spirit should confirm that in you. Uh, we want to be careful who we listen to because sometimes someone might come and tell you something and they, they just feel like that's what they should tell you, but maybe that's not what God wants you to hear. So what you want to do is be careful when someone says a word to you, you want to say, okay, God, and pray about it. Say, Lord, is this for me? And then you should feel a confirmation in your spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit to confirm that word and give you peace about it and then receive it. Paul also tells us that he received a revelation from the Lord in Galatians 1, um, 11 to 14, continuing on in our Bibles there. 
Let's pick it up at 11 through 14. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Okay, so he's telling them all kind of where he came from and that God gave him a revelation. So the scriptures that he's been reading, God's been giving him revelation or understanding of what they meant and he didn't get taught by a bunch of other people. He says, God has been teaching me this. The power of the Holy Spirit's been teaching him this. And when we become aware of what we're called to, then we start to see things from even the time we were young of how God has been preparing us. God's been working in us and showing how God's been speaking to us. Paul, like we said, he was a, a religious zealot. He kind of lived, ate, and breathed his faith, which at that time was not in Jesus Christ. He was someone who was committed to that cause, and he really wanted to know God, though. But he was going about it in the wrong way. He was a person there we see, you know, he's out there fighting the fight. He could stand up against adversity. He just was fighting the wrong fight. And God had created Paul with that type of nature that he would need for the ministry of the gospel, that stick to that ability to stand up in the face of adversity. It just needed to be redeemed by the Lord God and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 1, uh, continuing on then in verse 15, but when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. He realized that God was speaking to him here and he saw back through his life how even from the time he was born, God had been working in him and drawing him closer and closer till the time he had this encounter with Jesus. Paul now realized that God had actually called him to be an apostle. The call was on him from the time he was young, and once he became a follower of Jesus Christ, he could see things in his life that showed how God had chosen him for that specific ministry. And that's the same for us. There's skills and abilities that we have um, things that we do well. And then all of us are kind of wired differently. There's different things that God has called us to, and God's made us all unique. That's the first part. Psalm 139, 13 to 16 says, For you, Lord, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Isn't it great that God made us all wonderfully different and unique? Isn't that wonderful? God is unlimited in his power. Why would he make us all the same a cookie cutter of each other? He wouldn't. He wants variety. He wants uniqueness. He wants to use you in the special way he made you to, uh, uh, to accomplish his will in your life. 
So first of all, as I said, we need to listen to God's leading. And second, be equipped for your calling. And this is a thing we all have uh, individual things, uh, skills and abilities we're born with. But then there's the things of the Holy Spirit. So how does the Holy Spirit, this is a group question, how does the Holy Spirit help us to accomplish God's will? Leading us. Confirm and speak to us. Yeah. Gives us power. Yeah. What else? Give us gifts and abilities. Yeah, that are supernatural, spiritual gifts. The right tools. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the power of the Holy Spirit in our life equips us for our calling. Uh, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide us. The Holy Spirit would help us. John 14, 26 says, <clears throat> but the advocate, and when you look up that word advocate, another thing that says, uh, another translation of that is the teacher. So when he's our teacher, he teaches us through uh, his power and through the word and through what God shows us in things. Whom the Father, so the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Also, like we said, he gives us spiritual gifts. God gave Paul spiritual gifts that he operated in to accomplish that call on his life of apostle. He did not do that before he became a follower of Jesus Christ and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That spiritual gift gave him the power to do that. And the spiritual gifts in our lives, when we become uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, give us the power and ability to do what God's called us to as well. 2 Corinthians 12, 4 to 5 talks about this. And just like we're all unique, guess what? There are different kinds of gifts, because, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there's a list of spiritual gifts. So the ones that I have are not necessarily the ones that you have. And so God just gives us all the unique mix of gifts that he has for us when we receive that baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he empowers us. That's what that means to be empowered. It means he gives you the ability. He gives you the strength. He gives you the uh, insight to use what he has put within you to accomplish his will. And that doesn't mean everybody should be a pastor or everyone should be a missionary. It, you might be called to be a retail clerk. You might be called to be a gas station attendant. You might be called to be a lawyer or a doctor, whatever it is that you have felt you are led to do in your life. God has equipped you with skills and abilities, and he will equip you with the power of the Holy Spirit <laughs> to accomplish his will in that place. Uh, spiritual gifts are things like the gift of administration, the gift of apostleship, discernment, the gift of giving, gifts of healing, the gift of leadership, mercy, teaching, prophecy, and so forth. I did not list them all. That is not the entire list. There's more. There's more. And we should do a study on them soon so everybody can learn about spiritual gifts. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives you the gifts that are for you. Okay, uh, that's why we need uh, everyone to 
you know, really press in and ask Jesus to baptize them in the Holy Spirit because you are not, you're not living in everything that God has for you if you haven't done that. Uh, we need to surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ and ask him to give us those things. And as I've mentioned before, keep pressing in for your prayer language. You know, uh, there are some things that don't fully manifest in you until you have that prayer language because there's a thing about that of the surrender to the Lord and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through you. And you don't have to do this in a big public setting. Go home, be in a room and pray and ask God to give that to you and seek him until you do have it. The Holy Spirit will help us and guide us as we pray for and listen to God's leading in our life. Paul tells us that after he became a follower of Jesus Christ and after Ananias had ministered to him and told him what God showed him, Paul says he began to learn from God about his calling. The Holy Spirit equipped Paul to do what he was called to do. And reading on in Galatians, uh, let's, in fact, let's start at verse 13, Galatians 1. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went into Arabia, and later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, and that's Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. So Paul is saying this account of what happened to him after he was uh, encountered by the Lord. The Lord encountered him on the road to Damascus. After he committed his life to following Jesus Christ, after he desired to follow what God was showing him to do. And it's over several years, and he's showing how God has prepared him. Paul then starts preaching and teaching where he goes. Well, many times we can think, great, I've been called to do a certain thing, and I want to get right to it. But part of our obedience to God is to follow his will is to prepare. Part of that preparing is to start using that gift, though. That waiting isn't that just sit on the bench and wait and do nothing, right? No, it's to learn more about God. Uh, learn how to follow Jesus. Learn about the gift that you have and learn how to use it. Find someone else who has that gift that you have and is using it uh, regularly and learn how God speaks through them and learn how God can use you in that same way. Uh, okay, Paul then says, I'm using my preaching, my apostleship. I went to Arabia and Damascus. So he didn't just go there to hang out. He went there and he started preaching and teaching. And obviously we don't have a lot of letters from that time. So God is preparing him. God is training him. God is showing him. Other people are probably giving him encouragement at this. Yeah, that was a good lesson. Thank you. And he's learning more and more about what it means to use that gift of apostleship. And we have to do the same thing. We have to prepare. For example, what if you had the gift of faith? Well, you can use that anywhere, right? You can use it at work. You can use it at church. You can use it at home. <laughs> and this is not the faith that we all have in Jesus Christ when we become a follower of Christ. This is an extraordinary 
faith. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit. And those with the gift of faith have an extreme ability to trust that God is good and that he is sovereign. And they take him at his word and put the full weight of their lives in his hands. They don't waver. They've got this extraordinary ability to have faith. They expect God to move, and they're not surprised when he answers prayer or performs a miracle. People with this gift help us to believe that God will act and do what he says in his word. Okay, another gift that I mentioned before was the gift of leadership. The Holy Spirit gives that spiritual gift of leadership to some in the church to care for God's people and to lead them into deeper relationship with Christ and each other. And the success of their using the gift is in others being helped to succeed and grow in their spiritual walk with Jesus Christ. They're able to accomplish many different objectives uh, and tasks as they lead, but they always lead relationally and with a deep concern for the well-being of others. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question after I finish telling you about this, so be thinking about this. They're visionaries. Uh, they many times are entrepreneurial and willing to take risks to see the kingdom of God advanced within the church and the world. Okay, so suppose you have this gift, but you're not a pastor. How can you use this gift in the workplace? Caring about other people. How can you use the gift of leadership? Yeah. By putting it to work in how you lead people and, and have vision for the workplace the and the business you have. Yeah. I've heard of people with this gift who God speaks to in visions about things in their job. How awesome that God is working through you and it gives you the opportunity as being empowered by the Holy Spirit to really lead in a way that honors the Lord. Uh, to be the kind of leaders that are God honoring, that are concerned for well-being. And God can give, uh, like I said, ideas for the company, ideas for people and help you lead those people in a way that will, you can speak life into them. You know, there may be opportunities from time to time where you can just say uh, a simple thing to them that will help draw them closer to Jesus Christ. Uh, they pray and seek God for all they do at work. Okay, so giftings, the gifts God gives us through the power of the Holy Spirit are another way that we can be equipped for our calling. And then the third thing about being, uh, you know, walking in the calling God has for you is to find confirmation of the call in the outcomes. So as you use those gifts, there should be good outcomes. In Galatians, if we jump down to verse 22 of chapter 1, he says, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. See, Paul's ministry, part of his ministry was helping people to know Jesus Christ. And it says here that that was happening. Reports were going out, positive reports about him. Uh, and people were praising God because of his ministry. And when you and I use our gifts, 
There should be a good outcome. People should be helped. They should be drawn closer to God. God should be glorified. And that should confirm that we are using that gift that God gave us. Galatians 1, 3, and 5, at the very beginning we read that grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Paul saw that the purpose of preaching to people was so Jesus Christ could rescue them, could rescue us from this present evil age. Did the present evil age stop there? No, it's still going on, right? <laughs> so there's a present evil age for us. And Paul's letter and the scriptures, actually the positive outcome of Paul's ministry is still affecting us. It helps us see how Jesus can rescue us from that. Uh, in Ephesians 6.12, it says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world. He's talking about spiritual things here against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the, the struggle we have isn't against that person in our family who rubs us the wrong way. It's really against the enemy of our souls, the devil, and the spiritual forces of evil. Okay, Paul's preaching helped those people that he ministered to, to see what that real struggle of life was, and how to trust in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's empowering them. And to equip them, Paul's ministry was to equip them to be victorious. We don't want to live under the pile of all that. We want to be victorious in the power of the Holy Spirit as we follow Jesus Christ. Uh, the works of evil are all around us, you know. Uh, but Jesus Christ, his, this word says he can rescue us from that. He'll free us from bondage. He'll heal bodies. Uh, so he'll heal us body, soul, and spirit, as a matter of fact, so we can follow him and experience his peace. So if you're struggling with something like fear or rejection or anxiety, I encourage you, this is not something that is beyond the power of God. God can heal you from that. He can set you free. That's one of the things that is really important when we say on Sunday morning that our desire here is to see you set free from the things that hinder you. We're talking about that kind of stuff. That's why we have Elijah House Prayer Ministry here, so you can get set free of that stuff, so you can be healed and move forward in the power that God intends for you to have and not be living under all of that. So in, just contact us at the church office if you want an appointment. I encourage you to do that. Uh, set up a time. We, uh, we meet in teams of two, and we have several people who are uh, available who are part of the Elijah House ministry who you may not see them on Sunday morning, but they're awesome people, and they will meet with you and help you through that. Paul also told the churches in Galatia, as he writes this letter, you'll see, he told them you are drifting from the truth. And uh, part of this reason was they had allowed people in the church who were putting them back into spiritual bondage. They'd been set free of all this stuff, and these people came in and said, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Galatians 1, 6, and 10 talks about that. He says, I'm astonished. Okay, that's pretty strong, right? That you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. If someone's putting bondage on you, that is not the gospel is what he's saying. 
Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse, as we have already said. So now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. He's telling him this is, he's setting an example for them. Don't be trying to please these people that came in and are trying to give you this burden of bondage. Please God, do what God tells you in his word to do. Paul knew, really knew about following Jesus Christ. And in his past training in the scriptures, because he was a Levite, that helped him to understand once he had the revelation of who Jesus Christ was, he understood all he had in Jesus Christ and all that each of us have. Paul knew from his time of preparing, from the revelation from Jesus Christ and from the Holy Spirit's power in him, what the truth of the gospel was. And he heard how the church was somehow being misled into this thing that he was calling a perversion of the gospel. What that means is that they were taking the gospel and twisting it to make it be this thing of bondage instead of this thing of freedom that God intends for us. Paul used his gifts and calling to help so many churches in that time. And all the New Testament that God spoke through him is still helping us today. 49 A.D. Jesus, right. Okay. Jesus had ascended back to heaven. Paul never met Jesus in the flesh, but he oh, met him by revelation. Okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's quite a good outcome, right? All of these scriptures, you know, the General Electric Power Company, that's still <laughs> empowering us today. All of the things he wrote still can help us today, along with all the other scriptures that God spoke through different people. That's great. That's quite an outcome. And when we use this knife the way it was di designed to be used, that's a good outcome, right? I can spread some good butter, some good jam on my English muffins. I can cut some really good chicken. I can do good things, good outcomes with this. But if I use it in the way it wasn't meant to be used, it can be damaged or broken. And so for us, when we use our calling, there should be healing and blessing. God is glorified through using us to accomplish his will. If we try to do something we weren't called to do, we might get damaged. You know, life will be difficult uh, because we'll miss out on things that would bring us joy and what God created us to do. The good thing is when we are doing the thing that the Holy Spirit empowers us, it's not hard. We're, we're enabled to do it through God's power. When we try to do something else, who knows, right? You know? <laughs> so do what God has called you to. Find out what that thing is and be all God created you to be. Today, let's commit ourselves to following God and his will for us. Would you stand as we close? <clears throat> Um, just ask everybody to just bow their heads as we close here. Part of understanding what you were made to do is to de determine what your spiritual gifts are. 
And if you want to find out what your gifts are and begin doing what God's created you to do, just raise your hand. Thank you. Maybe you know what your call is, but you thought you retired from it. Maybe you've been, or maybe you never even started. Maybe you've just been kind of hanging around on the sidelines and not following what you know to do. Today is the day to commit to get off the bench, get off the sidelines, and get on the field. And if you want to make a commitment to following God's leading, to accomplish his will for you, just raise your hand. Amen. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you that as we follow Jesus Christ, as we receive the filling of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, I just pray that you would just reveal to us what you're calling us to. Lord God, I know that as long as we have breath in our lungs, there are things you want us to do. And Father, I pray that you would reveal that to us. We know that seasons change in our life and that uh, application of that gift might not look the same as it did when we were 20. But Lord God, we just pray that you show us how to use that, that you would give us a fresh anointing, that you would reveal to us those gifts. Lord, we call forth that activation of those gifts to the level that you intend them to be in each of us. Lord, that you would use us to accomplish your will in everything we do. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to just use those at church. We can use them at work, at home, wherever we are. Lord God, that you would use those gifts in us to make us the people you created us to be. Father, I pray that you would use us to help other people, to draw them close to you. Father, I pray you continually uh, draw us close to you as well. Thank you, Father, for all you're going to do in our lives. We thank you that um, you can use us in powerful, mighty ways if we only surrender ourselves to you. Thank you, Jesus. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.